This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily and sometimes more than daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and I'm joined by Katie Balls and James Forsyth and we are on the roof of Parliament which means something big has happened. So far from the government we've had a resignation of Rishi Sunak as Chancellor and Sajid Javid as Health Secretary after a torrid day in which ministers have been laughed at in both the House of Lords and the House of Commons for trying to suggest that Boris Johnson merely forgot about earlier allegations against Chris Pincher when he claimed he had not been made aware of any specific complaints against him when he made him deputy chief whip. James, is this the uh, is this the end of the government? I think tonight's resignations are, to put it mildly, the gravest crisis of Boris Johnson's premiership so far. These resignation letters are a kind of combination of of Nigel Lawson and Geoffrey Howes. I mean, one is the Chancellor saying that people expect government to be conducted kind of properly, seriously and competently, with the obvious implication that it's not being, and then sets out that, you know, the fundamental differences on economic policy because, you know, and, and suggesting that there is, there is not a seriousness about the government's approach and says that, you know, can't carry on like this, uh, can't continue like this. Sajid Javid is saying that, you know, no one individual is bigger than the party and in a conflict of loyalty between uh, country, party and, and, and his friendship with Boris Johnson, his, his loyalty to his country and his party must win out. And again, as with the no confidence vote, it is very hard to see what the kind of policy solution to these concerns from Boris Johnson are. And I feel it comes on a day when the mood in Westminster has grown darker and darker for Boris Johnson. There is just a feeling that Tory MPs have had enough, and now it appears that a growing number of a cabinet have had enough. I mean, two have gone, there's at least one more who I think is teetering. And I think what people are feeling is just a kind of sense of just deep frustration, and that they can't carry on like this because the country is not being well run, uh, because all these energies are absorbed in scandal after scandal. And I think this is, I think this does feel like, you know, nominations open for the 1922 Executive Committee tomorrow. And you know, whether it's going to come down to 1922 Executive Committee, I think is, is, is another moot question tonight. But I was very struck by how Cabinet Minister, who is staying, said to me this evening that he thought that this wouldn't make it to conference. Yeah, it was really interesting that uh, Boris Johnson tried to tour the, the tea room this afternoon and a message was sent out to Conservative MPs. Here I'm in the tea room from four, please come to support. But it wasn't sent to all Conservative MPs because the assumption was that they were either going to uh, laugh at the message or turn up, harangue the Prime Minister or watch what happened and then give a hostile briefing, which I think shows his, his predicament, but also that there was a plea of please come to support him, not please come to have a chat with him or anything like that, but come to, to give a sort of performance of things going better than they actually were. So, Katie, just, just talk us through what happened earlier today when uh, there were ministers giving explanations which kept changing uh, about the Pinter allegations. Well, I think we've seen since Friday growing discomfort amongst ministers um, 
effectively beginning when the news broke on Thursday night. The messages coming from senior members of the Prime Minister's team, almost implying that Chris Pincher too was a victim. And I think at the time that did hit resistance from ministers who were being sent out onto the airwaves, or at least being pushed in that direction, perhaps unwillingly, um, suggesting that this wasn't going to bring it the matter to an end, just a resignation. They would also have to remove the whip, but later we, we got there. But at every step, it's felt as though there's been a push to get Boris Johnson and his team to go further, and it's taken longer than, I think, the majority of the cabinet would have expected. And then I think obviously today, starting with that intervention from a former senior civil servant, effectively accusing number 10 of giving an incorrect version of events, I think that's when the mood has really turned. And throughout the day, we've seen that. And you mentioned the tea room. I think also just the sense that, for example, you know, at 6pm, which must have been around the time Boris Johnson was finding out about some of these resignations. He was due to meet with uh, those more supportive members in, of Parliament. So that big group of the Save Boris group who came together earlier this year to shore up his support. And it's been a strange atmosphere today because everyone you're speaking to has seen, uh, you know, exhausted very fed up, very unhappy. But yet, coming from the number 10 side, belatedly, when we heard there's going to be a pool clip, the tea room, this meeting of the Save Boris camp, that panic was coming up, you know, the sense that they were actually changing tack. And in the interview that Boris Johnson gave to the BBC, to Chris Mason, effectively saying, oh, I regret appointing Chris Pincher, not denying he might have made some comments about Chris Pincher in the past, suggesting he knew uh, about some of his alleged behaviour, but effectively uh, saying that he regretted it. But the problem is, this interview went out at 6pm, and before we even finished playing on the BBC, Sajid Javid had resigned. And therefore, I feel like, as I think a little bit on the day of the confidence vote, there has just been this sense of almost sitting back and not being panicked and not reacting to events at the speed you need to when your premiership is in peril. And I think we have seen that today. James, uh, one of the questions is... uh, is Boris Johnson going to appoint a new Chancellor tonight or tomorrow? I mean, we have a government without a Chancellor. Oliver Dowden resigned as party chairman after his by-election losses. We were kind of left that clearly said, well, seeing as someone's got to resign, I'll go. But the clear, implicit message there was he thought someone else would be going too. Um, but, and you can get away without replacing your party chairman for quite some time. You, know, you can get away without replacing your deputy chief whip for quite some time because the whip's office is a hierarchical structure and the number three can just move up to be the number, the number two for, for, you know, to act up for a while. But you, obviously you need a chancellor and I would say you also need a, need a health secretary with, with waiting lists that, that, this long. I think on the chancellor front, there are two obvious candidates that Boris Johnson will be considering. Well, actually, uh, three, sorry. One is Steve Barkley, the current chief of staff in Downing Street, who was previously the chief secretary of Treasury. The other is the current chief secretary of Treasury, Simon Clark, who's been you know, uh, an, an ardent Boris Johnson loyalist. There is also a question of whether Boris Johnson offers a job to the education secretary Nadeem Zahawi, but we have not heard from Nadeem Zahawi at the time of this recording whether he is staying in the government or not. And then... Then you have the question of health secretary again. You know, who is he going to be appointed? I mean, this is the problem for Boris Johnson. Is this is this is going to be a disorganised reshuffle, trying to react to events? And I think the other thing, which is you know so far away from our thoughts, which is also I think revealing, is 
that normally after no confidence vote in which you'd lost so much of your party, you would want your reshuffle to be about trying to bring the party back together. You know, some clever moves to try and say to people, look, you might have gone against me in the confidence vote, but we can, we can find a way. I don't think anyone expects that to happen. I don't think that's been Boris's attitude, Johnson's attitude since the confidence vote. I think it's been much more to double down on his existing supporters in the, in the way that both you and Katie were talking about. But I think, I think this is... This is a real problem for him, and this new Chancellor is going to inherit a very difficult economic situation. The new Health Secretary is going to inherit a horrendous situation with the waiting list. And so, you know, these are going to have to be people who can command authority, or it will compound the government's problems. And I think that's one of the interesting things in the sense that I think a week or two ago, so. Ultimately, I do think that no confidence vote was a big turning point for Boris Johnson, even though his allies said, you know, this draws a line, uh, you know, now he is safe from challenge. No one really believed that just in the sense rules completely be changed. And I think once the majority of the party turns against you, that people will find a way if they really want you gone. But there was an attempt to say, well, actually, we faced that now and now he is safe. And I think we're seeing again the sense that Boris Johnson's allies, that they're not really nimble in the way that you might need to be to try and bring people back together. So we've gone from the Allies talking about autumn as a potential crunch point to this afternoon. I was speaking to some people who are supportive of Boris Johnson saying he just needs to make it to the summer recess. And that was about 3pm. <laughs> and <laughs> which at the time I was thinking, oh, you know, steady on. But I think we're now in that territory where I still think it's quite ambitious to oust the Prime Minister in, what, in the space of a fortnight, but there's clearly that level of concern. And I think that speaking to some of those who back Boris Johnson, that ultimately wanted him to be Prime Minister, worked to get him there, I think that they are a bit exasperated with the current number 10 operation and that I think that some of those around him encourage the, the Prime Minister to be bullish and to play up to those instincts, which is often how he wants to be anyway, as opposed to um, working out how to bring people back on the side. And I think the majority majority of 80, I mean, I'm sure you'll both agree, walking around Parliament today does not feel like this is the Prime Minister of a majority of 80. It feels much closer to, you know, how the Prime Minister is by the hour in the time of Theresa May. Now, Boris Johnson clearly has a few more things on his side in the sense he's not in a big external negotiation with a party outside Parliament, even if there is the protocol. And he also does still have that majority. But we are back in a, a situation where I think there will be some questioning whether he can get to that recess, given they were doing that before the resignations even happened. I mean, it's also worth remembering that Boris Johnson has a difficult day in Parliament ahead of him tomorrow. He not only has PMQs, he has an appearance before the Liaison Committee. And I, I think that, you know, the Liaison Committee is not Boris Johnson's natural habitat. I think, I think that, that will not make things easier for him. Boris Johnson has defied the odds politically so many times and, and you know, he has been written off so many times. And I remember after he resigned as Foreign Secretary from the Theresa May government, lots of people saying, well, that's him done. And then he was back as Prime Minister and winning an ATC majority. But it is really, I mean, I think it is very, very hard now to see what the route back is. And I think the question is whether this is long or slow rather than, 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 than whether... And, and one of the things I think is true is the number of people in Westminster who think he is leading the Tories into the next election is reducing at a very rapid rate. Thank you, James. Thank you, Katie. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Coffee House Shots. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a rating and review. And to keep up to date with the world of Westminster, sign up for Unrivaled Insight and Analysis with Isabel Hardman's Evening Blend newsletter, delivered to your inbox every weekday evening. Sign up at www.spectator.co.uk forward slash evening hyphen blend.